Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. This is episode 42 with Joe Dombrowski. Now, most of you teachers out there will know Joe Dombrowski uh, as Mr. D times three on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, we were lucky enough to have him on the podcast, and it was such an incredible conversation for Will and I. Um, one of the realest, most authentic people. I mean, the what you see on the internet is who he is, but just the amount of wisdom and the amount of passion he has for the profession and just, you know, a few things we got to talk about were, you know, teaching in Title I programs, um, what he does working with new teachers especially, and and really emphasizing teachers need to go out there and, and find the right program uh, for them, the right school. And if it doesn't feel right, it's not a fit, you, you can't be afraid to find something different. But, you know, above everything else, we were just blown away by his authenticity and his passion and, and the fact that he was willing to open up uh, – about his experience as being a teacher in the L LGBTQ plus community. Uh, it was just so incredible. So we hope you enjoy episode 42 of the LED Project podcast. And don't be afraid to share this podcast with others or to go follow us on Instagram. We are at value adds value. All right. Welcome, welcome, everyone. And welcome back to the LED podcast. I'm Wilkie Law here with Kyle Krieger. And with Joe Dabowski. Did I say that correct, Joe? You Joe didn't, Browski? but Ellen, Ellen didn't Browski. say it right either, so I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> so is it Dabowski? You got it that time. Boom! Okay, I had to go back. You know, I used to watch a little used to watch a little hockey back in the day, so it kind of reminds me of a hockey day. There you go, so, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here, we're excited, we're excited to have you online, and this is our episode number 42. And we're really excited just to have you here, and we're honored that you took some time out of your busy schedule, busy, busy schedule, should we say, to just sit down and have a conversation with us about education. Totally. I love teacher talk, so thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. So our format is pretty simple. We usually just like to throw questions out and kind of ask you questions, and um, we're going to get started with our We Connect. This is coming from our, our, a friend of ours, a good buddy of ours, um, Chad Littlefield. Uh, the guys at we and dot me, uh, they created these, this concept of asking powerful questions. He and Will Wise uh, over at Penn State, and we 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 witnessed it firsthand of him doing it in a room full of four hundred teachers, and we just adopted those cards and we use them everywhere. So, Kyle, have you picked out a card yet? I do. I got a good one. I'm 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 pretty excited. So, uh, Joe, Joe, we're gonna throw this question to you first. What is one one What is one thing you expect from a friendship? One thing that I expect from a friendship. So I am a lot like I'm. My personality is just a lot. Like I know that information is groundbreaking to the world. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I expect from a friendship is just to like let me be me because I'm gonna let you be you, right? Like I have I have friends who are like so shy. The shyest people I've ever met, but we're such good friends. And the reason why that works is because like we have mutual respect for the building blocks that created who we are as people. So my whole thing with friendships is like if we can truly like understand who each other are and like be cool with that, then then we're all good. I have friends from all walks of life. And I think like one of the best things about a 
friendship too is being able to learn from each other and openly learn from you know your similarities and your differences and whatever it is so just i guess my answer is mutual respect for differences oh. that's mutual good respect. i love that that's good go ahead will uh i guess for me it would probably have to be kind of on those same lines um and I would say authenticity. Um, you said before we got on air that, you know, that, you know, your friends said that, hey, you know, one thing that they know before you broke the internet and, you know, became, you know, Pastor Ellen and everything, that they're, they're, they're made, that you're the same person. That's who you are. And I think I'm, I'm almost like you. My wife tells me all the time, I, I've never met a stranger. Uh, I can hold a conversation with anybody. I can fit in with any group. Uh, it doesn't matter. I was telling Kyle a story when I was in college that I was, I had made friends with a guy who was a skinhead. And so you can imagine having a neo-Nazi with visible tattoos all over his body, hanging out with this black guy, and people are looking at us like with an odd couple, like, how did this pairing happen? But it just happened because I did not judge him for what he was. I was curious. Yeah. I think when people are when you're authentic to who you are, you allow people to you allow people that freedom to be who they are. And I think that creates a magic moment when you're dealing with friends and dealing with relationships. Dude, I love yeah. it. I love that. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story uh, of something Will said. It's it's probably been five six months on the podcast, but I think the one thing I really expect from a friendship is that uh, people will tell me what I need to hear. And Will uses the reference that. Um, I am, between the two of us with our nonprofit, I am the flag, and he is the flagpole. So I, I need friends that will rein me in and, and kind of tell me the things that I need to hear, because at times I can get um, kind of lost in the clouds of what I'm doing that I, I really have to have friends um, that tell me what I need to hear. And also, you know, through the rough times I have, I'm fortunate to have some really good friends that tell me what I need to hear, um, even even when it's difficult. And I really appreciate those friends who are who care about me enough to tell me not what's easy, but what needs to be said. Perfect. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I love the I love the analogy though. It's still one of my favorites. <laughs> right? Like I've never heard that one before, and I'm sitting here like. Where am I gonna get that tattooed? Yeah, right. Right. Okay. So, all right. Next, next question right. for you, Joe. Tell us about who your favorite teacher was and why that person was your favorite teacher. Oh man. Um, you know, what? I really have a few for sure. And I, when I look at this, I think of first of all. Middle school for me was a blur, so I'm just going to skip those years. I'm not really sure what happened, um, but I'll break this up into like elementary, high school, and college for sure. Elementary school, my very first teacher uh, in third grade, I moved from private Catholic education to public school. My parents moved in, me into a brand new public school. It was the first year it was ever open, and I was introduced to so much diversity and concepts that I had never been exposed to before, and my parents still to this day say that it was one of the first times that I ever saw um, like the world 
world in color because I was just exposed to technology and able to thrive and able to show my creativity. And my third grade teacher, Gustavo Lamente, truly, truly, truly harnessed um, the. This sounds so like granola, but she harnessed the essence of my being, and she knew that I was this crazy extrovert, and she just let me be myself. And in her classroom, it was okay for me to um, be wild, but also learn from it, and to it, it, like get on stage and and entertain, but at the same time tied into academic curricula and her ability to respect me as a person was unbelievable I, I will never forget the way that that woman made me feel so elementary school Miss Battlemente we move up to high school and I was a, a active member of the student council and our student council activities advisor is named her name's Amber Bronson still great friends to this day and it was because she also just let me be myself i was that guy who would come in with like these big ideas and everyone around me is like it's not gonna work and she was like you're on to something figure it out and she would push me and push me and push me to be a better person every single day and without her push i don't even think that i would have to be completely honest gone to college because she just got me motivated and made me do things and it, it was it was perfect even in high school i was a super average student i wasn't like an honor student or anything like that but she knew that i had all these other qualities that made me a good person and you know would make me a successful man and she just pushed me to do it even further and then i get into my student teaching right this is this one's pretty cool and you know when you student teach you have your cooperating teacher but then you have like your university advisor right and uh the university advisor i remember the first day i got assigned to her everybody around me was looking at me like good luck like she had this reputation of just being like so hard with her student teachers and just like like ruthlessly putting them through the ringer and i was like okay let's do this like i didn't want to try and get out of it like let's see what we do she interviewed me. We had a really good interview. She paired me up with a great teacher in a great school. On the very first day she came to observe me, I remember thinking, like, it's time to wow her because this is somebody who you want on your side. And I pulled out all the stops, and we did a really successful lesson. And from that moment forward, that woman bent over backwards to help me in my career. She was the first one to call on any job references. She helped me navigate through um, even applying for jobs. She made time out of her own personal schedule to make sure that we could do mock interviews together because she saw my potential and she knew that with some tweaks and some growth and some learning that I could really become the teacher that I am today. And without her believing in my fire and my passion, I don't think that I, that I would even be here right now. But she saw that I had potential to really make a difference in education and she pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to be better. And I'm like so grateful for Miss Nancy Dodson. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So. You know, and I'll say this because one of the things that we always say here in our mission as, as, a, as, a, as a nonprofit is that we, our focus is strictly on making sure that every classroom, every student has that teacher. That every single teacher is that teacher for a student. Oh, and yes. I know it, it seems daunting, 
But, I mean, we're just that, that, that group of optimists that really believe and honestly believe that it can happen. Oh, yeah. It can happen. And you know, here you said that you had three. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, that was a gift for sure. You know, that doesn't really happen. I love right. to say that it can happen, but the difference is that, like, it needs to happen and it will happen. And, you know, there's so many teachers, especially on the online community, who they look at each other and they're like, man, I wish my classroom was that perfect. Or, man, I wish my I could relate to the kids like that teacher. And it's not about comparing yourself because not every you're not going to connect on that deep, deep, passionate level with every single kid. But if every right. single kid in your building is connecting to at least one person, professional in that building then that kid has hope it's so so important for every kid to have one trusted adult in this world and those kids might not get that from their families these kids walk into our walls every single day and we don't know and we cannot control what happens to them before they get there but it's our job as educators to make sure that those kids have the love and respect that they not that they need but that they deserve yeah i love it yeah you know and in it i love it it, it just reminds me of something that happened uh, just today. Like, uh, I recently found, after eight years in Houston, Joe, I moved back to Wisconsin this summer so I could be closer to my family. I have a almost three-year-old nephew and an almost one-year-old nephew. Um, and I took this job teaching in a high school alternative center. It, uh, it was going great, really good. And then three weeks ago, I found out that I wasn't going to be renewed. So it was, it was, it was pretty devastating and it's finally kind of gotten around to, cause I had the, the at risk kids, but I also had a couple, uh, classes with regular kids and I knew kids through coaching and it finally got around to my regular ed kids. And, and it was a group of kids that I have in a study hall, not even, not even a, a, a real class. And they were just devastated today because a bunch of them are like, you're the, you're the only teacher in this building we feel like actually cares about us. And it like, on one hand, it made me feel so good about myself. But on the other hand, it like just breaks my heart that these kids are in that spot. And I, and I work in a affluent, you know, kind of small suburb of Minneapolis, St. Paul, that's, you know, on the Wisconsin side. So it just, but, but to hear you say like, that and that you share that kind of vision is is really important because i i do think there are some kids out there that don't get that one teacher and may never have had that one teacher exactly exactly and you know you know what that really comes down to is we talk about you know teachers and who we have in our profession and like I will be, like, so frank with you. Like, I'm so pro-union. It's not even funny. Like, because teachers, it's hard for us to advocate for ourselves, especially to make the money that we deserve because people don't really understand what it is that we do. But the one thing that I cannot stand for is seeing somebody in the building year after year who is not invested for the kids. Right. If you are not invested for the kids, I'm sorry. I hope you're listening to this. It's your time to move on because we cannot allow our American children to be subjected to people who do not care about their well-being. We are shaping the future of this country, right? And those kids are going to be the decision makers and the motivators and the, the movers and the shakers. They deserve to have people who are invested in their future. So when I hear about teachers who are kept around like that, when there are people in the building who get laid off and let go, who are 100% there for the right reasons, to me, 
it's a disservice to the children, and that's this is where I stand. Yeah. Oh man, and and you you said kind of a key word that that we always talk about with teachers you know we we want to make sure that teachers are not good or great you know because those are arbitrary words but like if you strive to be the kind of teacher your kids deserve and and treat them the way they deserve you'll you'll be successful in the profession for sure oh exactly and don't get me wrong too like like any job in the world you have your good days and you have your bad days i'm not saying that every teacher has to be a plus 100 percent every single day but your mindset and your motivation and your passion has to shine and it has to show and you have to be there for the kids. Absolutely. So if you were going to categorize yourself, and I think I have a guess as to how you're going to answer this, as, <laughs> as, as a superhero, as a teacher, which superhero would you be? Oh, dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> whoa. So first of all, full disclosure... I'm not a superhero guy, right? I'm not here. Um, But if I was to pick, this is solely going to go after who I wanted to be when I was little. I have to say I would want to be April from the Ninja Turtles, (laughs) right? Like, she's not even a superhero, but you know what she did? She was turning looks every day. And when you think about the Ninja Turtles, you can think of that beauty in the trench coat. Like, you know who she was. She was April. She had that beautiful hair. And, you know, if I'm thinking about myself as an educator, I don't I don't really care what it is, but I want you to remember me for one reason or a number or another. When you move on, I want my kids to be like, whoa, I had that teacher, Mr. D. Like, it was awesome. I, I love him for so many reasons, but he stands out above all the Ninja Turtles. And right now, I'm still talking because I'm so not a superhero dude that I'm trying so hard to make this come across as something worthwhile. Dude, that's one of the best answers I've ever heard. Like, you know, we <laughs> could... Come on, right? We, April from the Ninja Turtles, like, she was cool. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I as soon as you said the name, I got a picture, a picture of her, and I remember her. And when you said that trench coat, I just remember her looking over the collar of the trench coat. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. Because when, when I said trench coat, I actually confused her for Carmen Sandiego for a second. I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, that's just... You know, and it's it's so funny though because you know the you know I'm a big superhero like I'm not a buff like I have comic books but all the superhero movies I watch and it's it's just I don't remember where we even found that or Wilkie you you heard that question but I mean that's that's such an original answer to just and it's it's so out of the box that I I love it it's awesome so. Did you, did you say that sentence as you were polishing your action figures? No, I did not. I was really, I really. I really thought that you, when you said polishing, that while I was, you know, because I'm bald, and, and, you know, I thought you were going to make a crack about me being bald that I needed to, to polish my head. But no, I don't have any action figures. I played with action figures and broke them. Um, so, so yes. I'm just messing with you. No, I like it. This is fun. You can. You can absolutely mess with us. So, um, we know you're passionate about education, but... What are what are some other things you're passionate about right now? Ooh, okay. I am so it's really crazy. People always ask me, they're like, how do you do work life balance? And ninety-five 
is education. Like if I'm not at work working with the kids, I'm working on my content, my videos, um, different partnerships that I have with educational brands. Um, super low key writing a book right now. Can't oh. say too much about it, but that's what's up. So I'm doing a lot of that. But the, the one way that I totally am making time for myself is I'm crazy into fitness. Um, I actually always have been. Last summer got a little weird and I got off my track for a little bit because I had just moved to Chicago and whatnot. But my goal right now, I've always been a skinny guy. It's whatever, but I hate it. And my goal right now is to get to 200 pounds. I want to be 200 pounds. I'm six foot three, and I just want to be like this beefcake that I'm currently not. Um, just so everyone knows, I'm at 197, so we're really close. Okay. But that's kind of like where my focus is. It's, it's, it's what I'm up to. What, uh, what, what type of fitness are you into? Um, so I'm working with a trainer right now, and we're doing a lot of heavy lifting. But the hard part is not the workouts. It's the eating. Like, um, my kids, we have this sign-up in my classroom. It's hashtag fuel the machine. And I tell them if they don't see me eating, they have to remind me to eat. Um, it's working really great. I have a fridge and a microwave in my classroom. Um, and when my boss hears this, he's probably going to make me take it out. That's cool. No big deal. Sorry, we'll, Brian. We'll keep it on the DL. You know, when that's... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm big into, into CrossFit. I love CrossFit. Okay, I've been cool. doing it for like five years. And um, Will, you know, you can talk a little bit about your fitness journey because, you know, we would, we would love to support you in your desire to get those last three pounds. Nice. Well, see, I'm, in, I'm almost the opposite of you, uh, Joe, because I'm, I'm trying to – I've been battling – I have an issue with, with consistency on my workout. And so this year I've set a goal that I want to drop 25 pounds by the end of the year, right. and so that's my goal, you know, and so I'm, I'm 11 down so far in this year without working out, just with, you know, making changes in my diet, um, and so that been, that's been a big thing for me, and I've, I know I've been public about it, I tell everybody at work, hey, look, if you see me doing something, eating something I'm not supposed to, no more donuts and coffee in the office from planning meetings, you know, when I snack, I'm snacking on almonds or cashews or, you know, or peanuts, I'm, I'm I had to change one thing because when I tried to go gung ho working out, my diet wasn't good. And then, you know, 80% of it is what you eat. You know, clearly you're finding that out now. So for me, it was just like, okay, let me let me get my diet right. Let me get yeah. stuff eating the way I'm supposed to. And then now as I'm adding in morning workouts and doing things like that, it, I'm, like, again, I'm excited and I can announce that I announced it to my teachers the other day. I actually, for the first time in five years, had to buy a belt. Because my belt was too big. There you go. Not because it was torn up, but because it was. I had gone to the last. I'm at the last one. I can't go anymore, and it's not working. So I felt pretty good about that. That the inches are coming off, even though the pounds are not. They stopped coming off, but the inches are still falling. So I'm right there with you, just going in the opposite direction. So that's we'll awesome, you know. dude. That's cool for sure. Nice. Yeah. All right, Joe. So could you? sum up your, I know we've been talking a lot about education, but do you have kind of a, 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 a educational statement or an educational philosophy that you kind of stick to? You know, I have a couple, but my biggest one is like the hashtag that I use the most on mine, which is a hashtag embrace your weird. And that all came about from the idea that 
And I don't, I just don't understand it because we tell our students all the time that we talk about, or at least I hope we're talking about, you know, the differences that make us unique and how it's okay and stuff like that. But yet we see a lot of this like robotic teaching and I'm just like, I don't, why? Like why? And I want teachers to be themselves in their classroom. Like let a piece of yourself shine every single day because the students need to learn from your differences too. And like what makes you, you. And it's cool to like unleash with the kids a little bit and just like get a little weird and like have fun with them. You know, that it's that whole mindset of making kids want to come to school because they want to, not because they have to, you know? And when, when we talk about that, um, it's just there's so many benefits to it. They, you're now a relatable person or they're learning something new about something they may have not been exposed to before, you know? So it's all about, it's all about making sure that what we're projecting back to our students is mirrors and windows. Mirrors because they need to see a little bit of themselves and windows because we need to provide opportunities for them to see through the walls that they cannot reach themselves. Oh, wow. I love that. Thanks. Wow. Mirrors and windows. Yeah, that's awesome. And and so would you kind of say that you... I mean, because we've talked a lot in prior podcasts and in what we write and kind of stuff we do. Would you say that influence for a teacher is more important than authority? Uh, you know, I have a really hard time um, with authority sometimes, you know, and not like me personally. Well, sometimes, but anyway, I. Uh, one of the, you know, working in predominantly Title One buildings, one of the things that I want to make sure is I don't want to come across as, you know, another white man in charge of you, because that's not what I want to be to my students. I want them to respect me and my rules in the classroom, but ultimately, when my students make poor choices, I always bring it back to the why. Why was this choice made and who's responsible for it? Not me. It was you. And I think that all comes from um, a lo- oftentimes when I was growing up, there was kind of like, you're in trouble. Why? Because that's the rule. And I was just a kid and confused by that, you know? So I really try to like not have that mindset with the kids because they really don't know. And the way to truly learn is when they can like make sense of the situation. Uh-huh. So um, I think influence and influencing and being the role model and being the example is really, you know, the way that I go. Right. I, and I, and I love what you said there too. Cause I feel like um, even with me, like as a teacher and in our school, there's a lot of kind of top down, this is the way things are going to be. And it feels like to me we're taking away the kids' opportunity to have natural consequences. like And like you said, to really be able to take responsibility for their decisions because if if they can't learn how to take responsibility for the, the negative choices, they can't, you know, we can't teach them and, and praise them and let them take responsibility of all the great things that they do because they majority of the kids I have overwhelmingly do a lot of really good things and a few bad things, but it doesn't seem like they want to take responsibility for either. They kind of shrug off the good and shrug off the bad. Yeah, yeah. and But see, like, that's the thing. School is for learning, right? 
at the end of the day, we're coming in to teach you something, okay? So it's those situations, good and bad, that can always be used as learning experiences for something to teach you, you know? You might not be learning, like, quadratic formulas right now, but are you learning something about being a good person? Totally. And honestly, some of our biggest mistakes turn into the best successes. So when students can learn from those mistakes on their own with a little bit of guidance, that's when true learning is happening. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you made that statement. I, I was a math teacher. And I taught sixth grade math. And one of the things I would tell my students is that I don't ever want you to remember me for being a great math teacher. I want you to remember me for being that teacher that helps you realize who you are. Oh, and God, I love that. I love that. I think that. when we're pushing in the classroom, we're pushing kids to take content that we, that we love as teachers because clearly we, that's what we chose to go into. And we're trying to force it on the kids without really the kid knowing who they are and how this concept you're teaching them works with who they are. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they don't make those connections, and I think that that's where we're kind of we're kind of missing it. You see glimmers of it. Like I, I walked in classrooms today, and I was just smiling like a chess cat because I saw teachers having conversations with students about things that they love. You know, things. I mean, and granted, this is this is our testing season right now. But the teacher thought enough of the students to say, okay, look, let's talk about you. And they were having a conversation about themselves with their teacher. And I told the teacher, I thought, you just don't realize how powerful that was and how your kids are going to benefit from that. You know, one of my best quotes is, I love um, Dr. Uh, Rita Pearson, when she said, students don't learn from teachers they don't like. Yep, there it is. So how do I get kids to like me? How do I build up my influence with kids? I get to know them. And I share myself with them authentically. Not the teacher that comes out of the closet at 7 o'clock in the morning and goes back in at 4.30 when the buses are gone, but the teacher who has a family. You know, I always kept pictures of my family around. Talked about my daughter. Talked about my, my wife. I talked about everything. I want you to know I'm a real person. And Because I want to know you, your real stuff, so... And that's the thing too, like students need to understand that we are people and you need to be yourself in the classroom because it might not be all of you, but there's a part of you that most of the people are going to relate to in one way or another. Mm -hmm. It's something they're going to learn from. So being your full authentic self in the classroom translates to your students that it's not only okay, but it's cool for them to be too. You worded that so well. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah, sorry. I had some someone tried to be my buddy tried to beep in, so I had to I had to make sure that I didn't push the button that cut us off. So so you know the the joys of technology. Sorry sorry to interrupt, but uh, it in yep go well. I was just going to go into the next question. Okay, then go for it.
gets to the point to where let's let's find out some real things and because that part of the identifying it is help getting toward the solution also. I'm about it. I'm so about it, and I speak very candidly on my thoughts on this. So I'm actually, I appreciate um, you giving me the opportunity to share this. Um, so have you guys seen my recent video that um, was a letter that I wrote addressing Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos? Mm-hmm. I yeah. Uh huh. So I did that, and for those listening who aren't familiar, it was a, a letter that I wrote and put into video format um, expressing my concern for the safety of public education, right? Because it's no surprise to anyone that the, the, the field of public education is not being taken into consideration um, in the way that it used to in terms of funding and thought. And it's alarming to me. It's very alarming to me, and I have reasons why. Um, public school is a place where anybody can come to school. And although we, you know, you might think you know what public school is because of where you are, you have to think about the places that you don't know that have public school. Very, very rural places where there's only one public school that people can go to that don't have that much money to spend. Or, or other areas of the world, of, of the country, um, where the situations are absolutely horrible, where students don't have options to get out, you know? And the, the, the combat that always comes to me is, oh, well, that's why the options are great. So p- parents have the right, they can take their child to another school and they can get a better education. And I will say this, I am not anti-charter and I am not anti-private education. I think those are beautiful institutions and I commend any parent who is willing to fight hard enough for their child to get them to a better place where they can be educated. I love that. Now, what's happening is there are children who do not have parents and family members who are able to advocate for them. And where do those children stay? They stay in the public school setting, okay? The children in the public school setting do not have a choice to be there. And just because they're not in control of their lives at this point in their lives does not mean that they deserve any less of an education than what we are giving them right now. When we take away the funding from public schools, we're taking away the opportunities for these kids to learn to grow at the rate that they deserve. And those children, just because there's not a person there to advocate for them to get to a better place, does not mean that we can be doing them any sort of disservice. And to be completely frank with you, I'm rather disappointed that people are making these decisions who have not been in the field of education rather think that they know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Stepping off that, my soapbox. <laughs> no, that's that's. I mean, and and we we feel you there. Um, we he and I met working in the Aldean School District of Houston, which is a Title One district, predominantly um, Hispanic, and the the vast majority of the rest are African American. You know, so we we know that lifestyle and. It was a it was an eye opening experience for me because I grew up like you said that small town in Wisconsin where there was only one school and only one option and luckily I had I have great parents and great family and all those things but when I moved to Houston I literally did not know that that world actually existed like I had heard that it existed but I think moving to Houston and teaching there for seven years was such an eye opening experience and gave me such a different perspective on the way 
people, a lot of people in this country actually live. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I want to tag on to what you said because I love the fact that you said you're not anti-private school, you're not anti-charter. Because I'm going to speak from a parent. My daughter's in sixth grade. My campus is a fifth and sixth grade campus. I allowed my daughter. My daughter came to my campus last year as a fifth grader. And I literally watched. And I, I, I thought I did well with selecting her teachers because I had that power because I was there at the campus. So I, I was able to select the teachers she went to. Um, and I didn't see the zeal that she brought from elementary school into the intermediate school. I didn't see it maintained. Because again, you have, as you said, students who don't have a choice. I mean, my daughter could have gone to any other school within the district because I work in the district. But I chose to have her with me. This year, I decided to go another route and I placed her in a charter school. So now, she's part of a charter school system and I'm watching the love education go back. So I, I'm 100% with you. I'm not anti, and I think a lot of people think that because you're saying, you know, oh, you know, let's do better with public schools, that you automatically have to be anti-charter. I think choice is great in every situation. Yes. You know, but at the same time, just because you have choice doesn't mean you deprive someone else who has no choice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so you you said that very, very well, and uh, I, I, I say I'm a champion for public education because I, I, was, a, I was both a victim of public education, graduating high school in the top 25% of my class in the inner city of Eastern Texas as a functioning illiterate man, you know, got to college and realized I could read words on a paper but could not comprehend what the passages were saying. But I was able to test well, so they just kind of kept moving me on. Yeah, yeah. So I see how public school can fail, but I also see since I've been in education now, this is my 11th year in education, I'm seeing that there is differences that can be made with students, students who can come in with extreme gaps, extreme, um, you know, down, downturns, but all of a sudden can meet that one teacher, like you say, that one adult in the building that connects with their child can change the entire trajectory of that child's life for the rest of their life. There it is. And so I think that if we if we focus in on how we can make that better, you know, how can we make those opportunities more prevalent in our public schools? Then not saying charter schools will go away, not saying that the need for charter schools will go away because again, choice is good, but it still makes it an even playing field to say, okay, you you know, I I could have gone to a public school, to me a private school to teach. I could have gone to a charter school to teach. I chose to go to the school I went to on purpose. You know, I really tried to get back to my, my high school that I graduated from, but they told me I look too young. So, which, you know, I guess I should take it as a compliment. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, no one knew that neighborhood better than I did. No one right. knew the nooks and crannies of the school and the back, back roads that the kids would take and the experiences they had because I lived those experiences. You know, and I, I love that piece you said about even playing field, because I have a lot of people when I make this statement about, you know, my beliefs on this, um, people always say, well, it's not an even playing field, and it's never going to be an even playing field, and we can't, you know, people who just don't like to hear that liberal side of, of thinking, and my my thoughts always come back to, I appreciate your differences in opinion, but when we're talking about children, 
We're talking about beautiful, innocent children who cannot make decisions for themselves. Yes, we do have to make sure that everybody is at least getting close to somewhat of an equal opportunity to succeed. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so coming back around a little bit to what you said with authenticity, Joe, how do you feel like your authenticity and, and your embracing authenticity, how is that reflected in the relationships you have both with uh, your colleagues and with your students? You know, like one of the things is I'm just so, and I've always been this way, so unapologetically myself. Um, and when I, I, I see that happen with my kids, you know, I work with them so closely for a few months and I see them making bold choices and I see them embracing their differences and I see them being proud of who they are. And it doesn't come from a lesson that I'm teaching. It comes from, you know, me leading by example, right? So that's kind of the relationship I've seen with my students. Uh, I've all, I, I have so many parents tell me too, like my child is competent. He watches the way you are. They, they appreciate, you know, and it, you just know, you know that it's working, right? Now with the staff, I take a little bit of a different approach because I don't want people to want to be me or to strive to be me. I want people to be so cool with who they are. My team of teachers that I work with right now, not a single one of them teaches like me. And you know what? I think they're better than me. They're great teachers. They're amazing teachers. They do things that I can't. Like their rooms are organized. <laughs> Mine is not. You know? But everybody has their strengths. And we, I, can, I, will, I will never stop learning. I want to learn from everybody, right? And I want the other teachers that I work with to understand like, hey, I have something that I can help you with but I know there's something that you can help me with. There's something that you are better at than me. And I am more than willing to humble myself to ask you for that help because I want to be good at whatever it is that you're good at too. And that's just me craving, wanting to be a great educator. And I think when you have built that relationship of working with each other and playing off each other's strengths and weaknesses, that's when like true magic's happening, right? Right. Right. You know, and it, and it, it, it's so you, you kind of went right into that question I was going to ask, cause you know, I, you kind of summed it up, but is there, is there advice or strategies or, or ways other than the way you model t- to get people to embrace being who they are? Cause like you said, there's a lot of, especially as a new teacher, you know, coming in, I was told, well, just find somebody who's got something that's working and just copy it for what you know, they did. And that didn't work for me because that wasn't who I was. And I, I didn't embrace myself really until, you know, I took a year off last year to really build and work on our nonprofit. And, and I came back such a different person this year. And I feel like I've showed up so much more authentically to my kids. But what advice would you give, you know, especially to newer teachers on, you know, what they can do or how they can em- embrace their own weird? You know, there's two things that I tell new teachers all the time. I speak at a lot of universities to um, future teacher programs, and I always tell new teachers two things. The one thing that I tell them is don't compare, just share, right? Because coming in as a new teacher, like, you see all these great teachers around you. Don't compare yourself to them. Why? Because they were you once, 
everybody has a boss who took a risk on a first-year teacher who let you start to flourish in your career. So don't compare yourself to everybody else. It's obvious. They have years and years and years of experience on you. Are they better than you? For sure. And that's okay. That comes into the don't compare, just share part. Share what's unique about you with them and learn from what they have. Take all of that in. You know, learn as much as you can from everybody around you because they have experience that you can you can extract and you can use to get better. The other thing that I tell new teachers all the time, I hear new teachers all the time tell me that they can't get a job. I can't get a job teaching. I've applied so many times. And more often than not, I hear that these teachers are like holding out for one specific district. And more often than not, that district's like where they went to school or where they student taught. And I tell, I urge teachers, get out there. Put your resume everywhere. Talk to so many schools. The country is your oyster. There are children on every piece of land in this world. Where there are children, there are schools and they need you. So go out there and just apply and don't be scared to get your name out there. And the other thing, too, that I tell these teachers is when you're interviewing, yeah, you're getting interviewed, but you're also interviewing these schools. You go into an interview and it just doesn't feel right for you. Your educational philosophy doesn't really line up with the school. You don't have to take that job. Keep going. Keep applying. Go somewhere that feels like you are going to be accepted and embraced and you are going to thrive because that's when you can get really, really, really good at what you do. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cite you on, on the don't compare, just share. I'm the new teacher coordinator at my campus and I'm going to make sure that I resonate that to the new teachers because I think I see that a lot. They watch the, the more veteran teachers and they automatically begin to think, well, I don't have it like such and such or I can't control them like such and such. And you said, just share you. Share you. I told the story last time we were on um, about the fact that it was a group of students who actually helped me become a better teacher because they said, Mr. Long, we like talking to you. You're trying to get us to know this math, but just talk to us. We'll learn the stuff that you want to, but we want to get to know who you are. Right, right. So I was like, I was trying to teach from a strictly content basis versus a relational basis of saying, no, let me get you excited about who I am and what I, what I bring. Get you excited about what you have to bring to the table. And in the process, we're going to learn some pretty cool math. I'm noticing a theme with you. I'm liking it. <laughs> right. What's that? <laughs> You're just very authentically you, and you are Mr. Relationships, and that's what teaching is about. If you can't build those relationships, then you're oh, not going to learn anything. You never will. You never will. Right. Absolutely. Right. Um, so, so this is a question that uh, I didn't list in what I sent you, but it's kind of something that's been on my mind and on, on Will's mind. We've been talking about it recently. Do you feel like you always just intrinsically valued yourself as a person? And, you know, the second part of that is, um, do you think teachers need to strive to, to get that intrinsic value? Because we were, we've been talking with everything that's going on and 
I just asked Will a question. This was maybe last night or the night before. Like, have you ever met a person who really genuinely intrinsically valued who they were that ever devalued someone else? You know, um, there, you know, I bring a really unique deck of cards to the table in education. You know, my diversity card is I represent um, LGBTQ plus community and and then when you tie that into education it's very hard um because that's not always looked positively upon and that's just something that like we as a community have to go through and one of the experiences that anybody in the lgbtq plus community has is that coming out experience and coming to terms with who you are and then publicly coming to terms with who you are and that experience is really one that um truly, truly people within the community are going to understand best because it's an experience that either makes you or breaks you and it turns you into who you are. And it's this like confidence builder where it's like, I went through that, try to knock me down now, right? And, you know, I went through that in my personal life and there was definitely a time in my life where I was not always okay with who I was and and what I had to deal with to function in the world. But... Being able to learn from that experience has definitely made me more of a more confident man uh, because I know that if I put my mind to something, I can do it and I can do it successfully. Um, and now, now that's who I am. Only now is that who I am. Um, and I have a lot, a lot, a lot of teachers who write me and tell me that they can just not be themselves at their school, in their class, with the community. And it breaks my heart. But it all comes back to that, what we talked about in the last question. There's that place for you. You just got to find it. And if you're not there, get there, you know. Because we represent a community of people that is not always visible to the eye, right? And there are kids in our schools, elementary, middle, and high school, who are battling with the same conflicts. And to be able to look up to another individual and say, that person is competent, that person's okay with who they are, that person is successful, and I can be too, dude, that's money, right? Like, that's where it's Absolutely. At. So uh, that, that's, that's kind of been like my personal, my personal progression in life with, with how I got to um, be who I am. And then, you know, there's a whole other can of worms, which is coming out within the profession, which is crazy because education is crazy when it comes to that. Right. Because there's such a stigma on it. Like, oh, my God. You know, and I was just having a conversation with a guy because I was listening to a talk show on the way into work, very rarely listen to the radio, usually I'm listening to Audible, just happened to be on the radio and they were talking about a guy saying he would stop going to his, he stopped going to his doctor, his child's doctor, the pediatrician, because he saw that the pediatrician had tattooed, had an arm sleeve, a tattoo. And the big debate was, how could you go to a doctor that has tattoos? Because he thought that tattoos were such a, uh, what word did he use? It wasn't dirty. Um, it, it showed bad judgment, is what he said. And I just, I mean, I tried to call in. My, I kept getting redialed so many times just to have a conversation. Because I'm like, how closed-minded are you in 2018 
to see right. that body art in some kind of way. He kept saying, oh, uh, tattoo parlors are some of the nastiest places on the planet. I'm like, you must haven't been in one because I've gone into some public restrooms that I don't even want to walk in. <laughs> you know, so you talk about places that are nasty and dirty. I mean, let's talk about going to some restaurants and you don't know what's underneath the table. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, so it, 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 you know, it, it just, I, I'm 100% with you. You know, my uncle was, was a member of the community, was a very strong activist in the 80s. Um, and just taught us the spirit of embracing people for who they are. Yeah. And I think that that is a society that we have to get to as as individuals and to say, hey, we have to let people be who they are and trust that who they they know who they are and guide them on the journey to deepen their, their understanding of who they are versus trying to push them into a place or a box or a mold that we've created for ourselves for them. Absolutely. You know, I, I just have to take a moment, too, and tell you guys, um, I, I make a very clear distinction on like who I am a, as a person and who I am with my, with my life and what I do. And, you uh-huh. know, Instagram and the internet is one thing, but this is actually the first podcast, um, where I have fully been able to talk about this. And not only is it because you guys have given me the opportunity to, but I, just from the sheer sense of how this conversation is going, um, you guys are really able to make a sense of trust and community where I was able to respect and trust that this conversation would go that way, even if we had differences in opinion. So I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to express um, my voice and what I have to say on that issue um, because it's very important and it means a lot that you um, embrace that as well, especially in the field of education. And I just, I commend you because I think that's so admirable. So thank you. Oh, man. Yeah, that means, that means the world to us. So, um, yeah. So we want to we wanna be respectful of your time and we know how valuable your, uh, your, your times are. So where, we, we know you with, without any real details, I'm not going to ask since you were being vague about a book, so I'm not going to ask you if you'll give us details about the book. Um, but, yeah. but uh, you know, where, where can people find you online uh, and, you know, where can they come and see you this summer? Is there a place where those are listed or, a, you know, a place where we can link yeah, them up so for, that you can... For sure. So um, I actually just posted my um, speaking dates on Instagram. Anyone can check me out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Mr. D times three. Um, and I am going all over the country this summer speaking to different schools and universities and districts, um, just expressing my passion and talking about some of the things that you know we even did here today. So uh, very busy summer. Just the most info I can tell you about the book is that it's coming. So be on high alert. <laughs> it's coming? <laughs> it's yeah, coming? Yeah, if you follow me, you'll be some of the first to know about it. Trust awesome. me. So that's all I got there. Right. You know, and if you, you please, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about, uh, 90 minutes outside Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, Wilkie's down in Houston. If you ever just want a hype, man, you know, call us up. We'll come, we'll come and we'll just, we'll stand, we'll get people hyped. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to, uh, to support you in those times. And, and like I said, we're, we're honored that you would come on and, I, I get the feeling that this is the the start of a, a very fruitful relationship in terms of making making change I, in education. 
conversation by telling you I love teacher talk. Here we are an hour later. Do you think I meant it or what? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And we're gonna Absolutely. we're gonna have to make sure you know that you become a I guess a what do they call it on TV a, re- a resident. Resident expert, uh, resident artist, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, but definitely we need to have you back. But when, when the book, when the book comes, well, I don't want to say when the book comes because it's. I mean, it could be tomorrow. It could be six years from now. I don't want to wait six years. (laughs) So, awesome. So, all right. Before we let you, uh, before we let you go here, Joe. What is uh, our last question? We like to ask is. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, hit me with the deep one last. My legacy, um, you know, people always, I, I can be, I can do some humorous things on the internet, right? And um, people always, always question if I'm going to stay in education or if I'm quote unquote trying to get famous. And if I could tell you the honest truth, I don't ever see myself leaving working for children in some capacity to make sure that their lives are better than they already are. So do I see myself leaving education one way or another? I don't. But if I was to have a legacy, I would want that legacy to be I was a person who was known for making the lives of children in the United States better than what they were when he was put on this earth. Wow. Perfect. Awesome. That's me. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, like I said, we, we appreciate the time and, and uh we're like I said, I'm I'm not joking. I'm thirty three and single. So I got I'm very mobile. So if you honestly need a hype man or you ever need you or you ever need anything, you know, with a show or whatever, I'm uh, I'm 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 all in for it. So you got it, because you know my biggest following is women between the ages of twenty five and thirty five. So, we're so right. yes, okay. See, I knew I knew I was getting close. Oh, One. Now I see why I came on the show today. No, no, no. But no. now, Kyle, now, Kyle, you know how the universe works. You put it out there to the universe, and the universe has heard. Here's your voice very clearly. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say, you put it out there. So when the return comes, make sure you're open to the return. Yeah. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to say, Kyle, swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> and we just have to, no matter what, serious conversation for an hour, and we have to get a Tinder reference at the end. I love it. That's I love what we do. That is what we do. So, Joe, again, man, we appreciate the time. No worries, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I hope to connect again soon. Thank you so much for checking out episode 42 of the LED Project podcast with myself, Kyle Krieger, Wilkie Law, and our guest, Joe Dombrowski. Uh, We're super grateful for all of you that listen and all of you that are sharing. Um, If you have questions, things you want us to talk about on the podcast, please send us an email to the email podcast at the ledproject.com or you can find us on instagram as at value as value or like us on facebook we are lighthouse educator development thanks so much